0: Welcome to Straight and Curly, a podcast for self-improvement junkies. I'm Kelly Exeter.
1: And I'm Carly Jacobs. This is episode 147.
0: Hello and welcome to Straight and Curly. How are you going today, Kel?
1: Yeah, goodish. A little tired. Um, I was actually going to say I'm a little bit tired because this last day was school holidays and I always struggle with school holidays because it's stressful trying to work, give my kids a fun school holidays. But (sighs) then my kids are going back to school tomorrow, but lots of listeners' kids are not and I don't, yeah. So I'm going to shut up about being tired. But yes, school holidays always get me, but I'm very grateful to be in a state and a place where I can send them back to school tomorrow so that I can go hard for the next two weeks because I've got lots of deadlines
0: yeah (laughs) let's just jump straight into recommendation of the week Okay. uh so my first recommendation or my only recommendation of the week <laughs> is the uh happy valley documentary on amazon prime and i'm really bad at double checking that that's where you actually <laughs> can watch it but i'm pretty sure that's where we watched it so we were looking for something to watch the other night and um it's technically about a pedophile football coach from penn state university um and you know i love a bit of i love a show that's a bit miserable so i was like all right so i clicked on it and it turned out not to be about that at all, but it was about this other football coach who reported him, but wasn't seen to have done enough to follow it up, and it kind of resulted in the canceling of his career and his achievements. And the documentary is from 2013, so it's quite old, but it just echoes a lot of the sentiments of the ripe cancel mm-hmm. culture that we're living through right now. And it just left me thinking a lot about what's expected of us professionally, um, and you know, if, if we fail in what's expected of us what should happen to us and what that means for the body of work that we've created. Mm. Um, I just thought it was fascinating. And I, I don't know where I sit on cancel culture. It's quite murky and complicated. And I don't even mean that coming from someone who, you know, is a content creator and, you know, like, like us or, or even people who just get caught, who are just like people who have regular jobs that they go to in an office and aren't really known by people who get filmed doing something horrible on the street and then get fired and then the whole world hates them. And yeah, it was just, I, I just watched this documentary and it just made me question a lot of stuff about cancel culture and the position we're in at the moment and what that means and what it should mean and how I feel about it. So yeah, I don't have any hard and fast comments on it, but I think everyone should watch it. It's a really interesting thing to watch.
1: Yeah, that topic of cancel culture actually is a really big one at the moment. and It is probably worth someone was saying in, um, in the straight and curly group when we were asking for topic ideas for, um, for this season. They were saying how they really loved that unscripted show we did where, oh, yeah, uh, we, uh, we did, or we were going to end up when we were talking about where do you go when you die. So cancel culture might be a good one for us to have a chat about later in this season because it is yeah. very complicated. There's no cut and dry. Well, this is how it should be. And I, like, yeah, I understand that it, it, there's complexities to it that go yeah. well beyond someone said something stupid or, you know, it's not that someone said something stupid, someone said something crappy. Therefore, we should never read any of their books again or
0: yeah. shout out JK Rowling. I, I was um, just about to say that yeah. I am struggling so hard with that right now. I am a hardcore potterhead and I, uh, the, the, thing, the thing that I'm struggling with so much about that is that her, if, if you don't know JK Rowling, is on this weird tirade at the moment, um, coming out against transgender people. And she's basically saying that, um, transgender women aren't women, which is just so horrifically insensitive and incorrect that it just makes my blood boil. But the point is, is that I'm particularly struggling with this because her books are so inclusive and she has been such an amazing person for inclusivity and things like when they cast, um, a, a black woman to play Hermione in, um, the cursed child, the play in London, everyone was like, but Hermione's not black. And JK Rowling was like, I said, she had dark eyes and, you know, thick bushy hair. I didn't say she wasn't black. And, you know, things like that were just so fantastic. And then she came out and said Dumbledore was gay. And just, there was so much Beautiful inclusivity in her books, and to have her do this now is just like what What happened to you? Are you
1: and why is the hit? Why is this the hill you've decided to die yeah. on? Like that's what I kind of you know. I, I I've done a lot of reading around it. I still I, I, I don't understand it. I just yeah. I I, I want to understand the the science and all. But at the end of the day, I just think it seems like you have put a stake in the ground to be Stopping exclusive, about it. you know. Yeah. Um, and people are telling you you're do- what you're doing is quite damaging to our community and yet she just conti- she just wants to be right, it seems, and it's just a re- like, yeah. I just, and, yeah, and it's on form, it, yeah, given her other work in that is out there. It just there,
0: seems it, so off-brand. That's the yeah. thing. I mean,
1: it's, it's one thing to kind of, you know, She's not Katie Hopkins who has made a career out of being offensive like – yeah, and, and know, it's finding things like, to be incredibly um, yeah, to to set, you know, to set people apart and to be offensive. Like she's not made a career out of that, JK Rowling. So just-
0: No, and it's and it's not like it's, you know, someone like Pete Evans, who you see on the TV, and you're like, oh, he seems cool and I like his recipes and he's great. And then you'd realize he's just a complete anti-vaxxer, total nut job conspiracy theorist. And then you're like, oh no, gross. Like you're not attached to that. I
1: think the thing that's really hard with JK Rowling is like.
0: There's she inconsistency just, there. This is inconsistent yeah. with the
1: the rest of the stuff that she talks about and what it seems like she preaches and it's yeah. And again, humans don't deal well with inconsistency no. and things that go um What is it? Cognitive dissonance. There's real cognitive dissonance here, and nobody really knows what to think. Um, Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, And you can't get a clean read on it. (laughs) That was a total side note there. Um, But yeah, it is. It's a good. It's a good thing to look on cancel culture, and we will actually come back to um, cancel culture and have a chat about that.
1: Hopefully. (laughs) yes sometime this sure season I feel comfortable yes with that. <laughs> we'll just get our head clear around it and then you know go, it's one of those things where you're going to come at it going well there's no answer to this there's no right or wrong it's yeah. just maybe like you know how do we how do we come at these things with a little bit more compassion and empathy rather than just going straight for the um let's join yeah let's just join this side and this side says you've got to go and we're all going to gang up on you and just and and say you've got to go so yeah there'll be an interesting one when we cover it if we do. (laughs) all right my recommendation of the week is billions on stan (laughs) so have you watched it i have not okay um you should um Anyway, ages and ages ago, people had told me, Kelly, if you like suits then you will love, you know, when I was going suits, I've watched suits twice now and I, you know, still don't have anything to go on to. And everyone was like, you need to watch billions because if you love suits, you love billions. Um, but I kind of objected to paying for the yet another streaming service when I oh, literally yeah. do not watch TV. I watch one show a night at best. Um, but then when I went to Nashville earlier this year, they had billions on the Qantas entertainment system. So I started watching it and, and I got enough into it. They're quite long, the episodes, like they go for a solid hour or well, 54 minutes or something. So <clears throat> it's hard, hardcore watching, good for a plane, actually. So I started watching it and I got enough into it that when I got home, I was like, fine, I will get Stan and I will start watching it here. And I, I have to say, and I mentioned, I shared this on Facebook, on my personal Facebook, that the first season, like the level of dick swinging, is so extreme <laughs> like it's it's it, it was almost unwatchable because of the level the just the sheer testosterone being <laughs> chucked around no offense men but like it was just too much um and I found that really hard to take and I thought oh my god there's five seasons of this like how much I, I don't think I'll watch five seasons of this but at the end of um season one there's a really solid payoff and then, yeah, the, and then the testosterone levels just drop right off. And there's, there's just some kick ass women characters in this show as well. So awesome. that, I, I do love it for that. It's, um, relatively, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not a marginalized person. So I'm not going to go, Oh, it's such a diverse cast. They've done such a great job. I don't actually know on the eye test. It looks like their casting is quite diverse and the topics that they. Tackle, great, they deal with them really well, so yeah, that passes my eye test. I don't know if it passes um an actual marginalised person's eye test, but I do like that they uh, at least have a crack. They may not do it perfectly, but they at least have a crack in that regard, but the writing's excellent, the twists and the turns, and one hot tip, and it just might make me sound like I'm a hundred years old. I watch it with subtitles on <laughs> I watch everything with subtitles, everything. Oh, my God, it just changed my life because yep. I just felt like I was missing so much um, without the subtitles and I turned it on and I'm like this this has made this show so much easier to follow because I was finding it really hard to follow. So, yes, there you go, turn subtitles on. It will change your life.
0: We um, have subtitles on constantly and everyone thinks that we are just like retirees <laughs> and it, just, it changes everything because you miss so much. And there are some shows oh. where it's essential. So, like when I watch Derry Girls – Oh, Absolutely right, yeah, essential yeah. because their accents were so thick I couldn't understand what they were saying. Same thing with The Wire, really good for, well, actually <laughs> The Wire it didn't really help that much because Woodspeak <laughs> speak is so
1: oh, right, intense yeah.
0: that like Ben knew all of it because he's really into rap. So he was like there were words that meant things that I didn't know what they meant. So if, if you can get someone who listens to a lot of rap to watch The Wire with you, that will help. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> if there's later. any. Yeah, if there's any shows where like accents are too thick or even if you've got like characters that mumble a lot, that tends to. Yeah,
1: totally. Well, ironically, I first turned on subtitles when I was watching um, The Last Dance, which is the Michael Jordan documentary, and I had to turn it on when Dennis Rodman was speaking because he mumbles really badly. Oh, yeah. And and that's when I was like, oh, wow, I might just leave this on for all of it and see how it goes. And then, yeah, when I was finding Billions Hard to Follow, I was like, ah, I'm going to go do that trick again. Works a treat. Carly, random thing of the week. So this one
0: is weird and it's not very timely because it was a while ago, but a friend of mine and I were utterly perplexed by a lot of Mother's Day posts this year that gave shout-outs to all the different type of mothers. So it would be like Happy Mother's Day to mothers, mothers-to-be, stepmothers, adoptive mothers, those trying to be mothers, those who wanted to be mothers and couldn't, which I think is lovely because motherhood isn't yeah. straightforward and it comes in lots of different packages. And, and Mother's Day is
1: very triggering for a lot of people um, it is absolutely totally yeah. yeah oh i
0: i i fully think that it's it's really beautiful that people um include all the different types of mothers and how you know biology often has very little to do with it um what perplexed asked for these posts that said and women who have chosen not to have children
1: Oh, right okay. so I'm just yeah. like
0: it's just so overly inclusive and it just really made me laugh at the lengths that we go to on social media to avoid the but you forgot about xyz brigade it's but this like kind having-
1: of relates the cancel culture doesn't it <laughs> like almost like we're, we're so paranoid now about um and I again now I'm second guessing everything I'm going to say here but um I feel that we should be thoughtful and I feel that we should think about lived experiences beyond our own. Definitely. But we're now getting to the point where we're so scared of being called out for missing someone or something that, you know, can you be overly inclusive? Well, sometimes I think so because I think that that kind of feeds the whole – not all thing like it does yeah like yeah like not all men
0: and and you know all, all lives matter like that kind of thing and i mean this is this is so trite and so silly and i'm not mad about it this was just an interesting it's just thing an observation it was that yeah it was an observation that i saw being included and i just likened it to you know having a chess players acknowledgement day and saying we acknowledge all those that play chess and also those that do not play chess <laughs> It just was so weird. And, and once I, once I saw one of them, I just kept seeing them and they were like, I reckon for every 10, there was one person that included and women who have chosen to not have children. And it was just, it, it, it was just so odd acknowledging women who are happily child-free on Mother's Day. It was just so PC and very odd. And I was just kind of like, that's, that's an interesting place that we found ourselves in.
1: Yeah, it is an interesting. Place. So we're definitely going to have to do that cancel culture um, <laughs> yeah, uh, podcast definitely. now because yeah, this touches on a lot of stuff. And again, there's no right and wrong answer. And I definitely don't ever want to go near that. Like, there's nothing worse than a you know a heterosexual white male in his middle ages, like you know, for fifty year old white male sitting there going, um, talking about PC gone mad because mm. it's mm. usually in response to being oh, called absolutely. out on something that was really horrific that they said. Um, But then you do wonder if there's a point where it's like, okay, at some stage, we need to be able to say things and we need need people to be able to say to us, I'm offended by that. And then we need to be able to go, I'm so sorry that I offended you. And that's it. Just go, I'm sorry I offended you. And I will take something away from this conversation and not do that again but we've lost that ability to have those conversations because we're preempting everything all the
0: time and reading reading those those tributes on mother's day before i was a mother and i didn't particularly want to be one like i didn't want to not be one but i hadn't planned on having children if i had have seen that and really let it sink in at the time i would have been like don't include me. I have actively chosen to not be a mother. Why are you apologizing for yeah. Mother's Day? Like, it, you know, and, and I, and mothers who, and, and all of the other types of mothers were included, like, you know, adoptive mothers and that kind of stuff. I'm like, that's a separate thing. I was someone who was not a mother and should not have been acknowledged in that way. Yeah, and I so didn't want to
1: be so I don't need to be not yeah. It's a bit of yeah with yeah. Okay. So short answer we're definitely going to do that podcast. So yeah.
0: We give will. Us, give us a couple of weeks. <laughs> it's, it's come um, up quite a bit.
1: Yeah. So okay, so onto topic of the week and the topic is how to communicate effectively with people you work with because look, so communication is it's something that's come up in the Facebook group recently and communication is something that I personally am really really big on. I think Mainly because I'm wired to be a pretty straight up kind of person, but also I hate uncertainty. And you to also me, hate
0: confrontation as well.
1: Well, I hate I hate confrontation, but what I've come to realize is I hate uncertainty more. Like so I, I'm a very conflict diverse, but I hate conflict. Uh, sorry, I hate uncertainty more. And to me, um, good communication can eliminate a lot of uncertainty from life. So, yeah, yeah, my hatred of uncertainty almost always overrides my hatred of conflict when it comes to communication. But I reckon you're similar to me, but I reckon, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, I reckon your hatred of conflict might override your dislike of uncertainty. Quite possibly.
0: I think that's rather an astute observation there. (laughs) Yeah, no, I really hate conflict quite a lot, but I'm also pretty good at just doing whatever the hell I want without other people really having to be involved at all, so yeah. So you I'm, take
1: the you take communication out of you almost like set up your life so you don't have to have these exactly. awkward communications with people. That's a good way to do it. Yeah, exactly. Like that, so I'll that just needs be like some cons- <laughs> that needs some consideration. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right. Okay. So onto our tips for today, um, <clears throat> because communication is such a big area to cover this week, we're going to talk about communica- communicating with the people you work with, and then next week, in the next episode, we're going to talk about communicating better kind of with the people that you love. So, Carly, hit it, tip one.
0: Number one is to keep it short. So a lot of communication, particularly in the workplace, is hindered Mm -hmm. by what I like to call waffling on. So say what you need to say and move on. I have um, a favorite client, a freelance writing client, and she sends me about four sentences a day and I love her. Her <laughs> sentences say exactly what they need, exactly what I need to do. And I really need her to clarify. Oh, so There's good. no, oh, hey, Carly, how was your weekend? I no, you don't love doing sales page rewrites, but this one should be easy. She goes, sales page rewrite for X client, a thousand words. Here's the link to what they're selling. And then like, mm-hmm. she'll send me a funny video or something. And it's awesome. And I know a lot of people need a softer approach than that. And we should all try to work to each other's needs and acknowledge when people need a softer approach. But just think of all the time that gets saved by not asking <laughs> name friendly questions to soften their requests. Just tell them what you want.
1: Keep it short, mate. That's it. I so dream of being able to just keep niceties to a minimum and and I really highly value those people where I can be really direct without any of the soft waffle. We're Um, like that. We're just like our emails are so perfunctory.
0: It's like, hey, how are you doing? Good? (laughs) Yeah, great. Do you
1: guys even like each other? You friends? (laughs) Yes, this is how much we like each other. We don't have time for crap, for the waffling crap. We Um, like each other
0: so much we will not waste each other's time.
1: That's it. Uh, Yeah, look, I understand that part of good communication is understanding that not everyone is like me and adjusting my tone and the niceties for the person and also the situation. But you know, that I, I, like I said, I just value people or I can just be straight to the point and don't have to worry about all that stuff. Um, my first tip is when emailing, make it clear what kind of responses needed. People will love you so much. So, um, you know so say in my role at Jaden's Basketball Club I quite often receive comms that are purely for my information but I'm often but because there's something that just will just get forwarded to me I'm often unsure I'm like well is this an FYI or are you expecting me to create a policy from it or are you expecting me to share it on the website like what do you want me to do and I usually have to go back to the person and go was this an FYI or did you want me to do something with it so you can do the receiver a huge favor by eliminating uncertainty. So if a response is required, I will often put response required by, you know, COB Friday in the subject line just so that when people have got like 20 emails in an inbox and they see a response required, well, then they're probably going to read that one and do it. Um, also, if I'm like sending an email to four people and I need a like say a response or an action from two of them, but for the other two, like they've just been CC'd in FYI, I will say at the start, look, Jane and Fred, this is for your information. But Sam and Kate, there are a couple of action items for you at the end of this email. So, people that people will love you. It just eliminates so much back and forth if you're straight up in your email. You make it super, super clear what you want people to do with that email.
0: I really like that one. I think that's fantastic. I also love getting an email that said, "You don't need to respond." I'm like, "Yeah, sweet." No I re- re- won't. What is it? That
1: NRR, <laughs> no response required. Yeah best emails, but I have never once not responded to an NRR. (laughs) I just can't do it.
0: Oh my God, Kelly, for real. (laughs) Whenever we get emails from (laughs) listeners, Kelly responds immediately. Like even if she's away, she'll respond immediately. I sometimes don't reply at all. And if I do reply, it's usually after Kelly in a, yeah, yeah, yeah. What Kelly said capacity. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, I just like if someone's taking the time to email us, I must acknowledge it. I cannot let it sit there for more than a day. Oh, but. I would always reply eventually, but I know that, always, and that's it. I know if I leave it, you will eventually get to it. But it's <laughs> the eventually week, that like, I just can't deal with yet. Yeah. <laughs> so I just do it.
0: <laughs> um, my tip number two is clean slate every day. I use this a lot when I was teaching, particularly because um, I used to teach kids that had uh, behavioural problems. And it did, it didn't help anyone to start the day expecting them to display those behavioral problems. So, and, or or judging them for something that they did on Monday that they will probably never do again. So it can be really easy to fall into the trap of not liking someone at work and getting to the point where you're avoiding them. But there's no way to mend a relationship unless you give that person a chance every day to be civil. So just as an example, I worked with a man once and he was just always grumpy and always in a foul mood and was just really curt and unpleasant to be around. Every day I'd say hi and I'd try to chat to him at morning tea and he'd say something kind of gruff and not really participate in the conversation. After about three months, he softened and started being quite friendly. And it turns out that he's just really shy and wasn't very good at talking to people that he didn't know. And I mean, like it's hard work, but it's better than just letting your resentment fester until you feel sick at the sight of someone and you're not sure why. And it did take three months of chatting to this guy before he softened and he was a really really lovely guy um and I just think about what would have happened if I had have gone oh well he he's an asshole yeah yeah and just like started ignoring him because then it would have turned into this big awful thing of us not talking to each other and kind of there would have been this tension when nothing really happened and it was just completely avoidable by just giving him a clean slate every day.
1: Yeah, I really like that. I mean, I know it's easier said than done, but it's like much at easier. least you can just like you said, just be you can just be civil. You don't you know, it no. doesn't take much to be civil. You don't have to be nice. Like that's a fair effort from you and well done. But you can at least be civil and, and just give a nod and smile. I'm kind of Good a job, jerk Carly. though. Like
0: if no, I, I have I have bad intentions. Like if someone's ignoring <laughs> me and being a dick to me, I'm like, I will get you to be my friend and I will make it happen. So, you know, don't don't try and put your sweet, you know things on me I'm I'm like nah. <laughs> I'm gonna win you over <laughs> uh,
1: too funny um <clears throat> all right my second tip is when emailing try to keep it to one subject per email so look I know this is not always possible I literally cried but when you said that hell, it's
0: just such a beautiful <laughs> sentiment <laughs>
1: to keep it to one subject per email yes I love it <laughs> look it's just a really good policy to stick to so like if You definitely don't want to email people about several things in one email, especially if those items are unrelated or if there are actions or responses required to several things. So look, an example would be you emailing HR about your upcoming holiday leave request. And then at the same time, you want to put something in there about this performance management issue that you're having with a staff member. Like, Even though the person you're emailing is the person who's dealing with both those things, those are two really separate issues and they belong in two really separate emails. Okay. And that's it. Yeah. Like I said, it's not always possible, but if and it try is possible. To, stick to the thread. So yes.
0: if someone has sent you two separate emails about two separate things, don't reply to yes. both of those threads in one email. They did that's it for right. a reason. And you need to keep them separate.
1: Keep the conversation separate. I do do this totally passive aggressive thing where if someone (laughs) emails me, (laughs) sorry, this is my dark side coming out, where if someone emails me about two separate things in a single email, I'll only respond to one because I'm like, (laughs) no, because it offends me so much people combine two unrelated things in one email so I just ignore the second thing and only respond to the first and then force them to create a separate thread (laughs) yes so yes so just as a heads up you know, to anyone emailing me, don't do it because I'm only going to respond to one thing. Okay, quick, Carly, go, number three. (laughs) My number three is to be professional. Don't be like Kelly, don't be passive aggressive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Keep your work life professional. It's absolutely fine to be friendly, but it helps no one if you get too attached or involved with your workmates. Um, Just as a a little example, (laughs) uh, Ben and I have been working together for over a decade and we keep it so professional that one of Ben's employees didn't realise we were in a relationship and had a child together. (laughs) He was like, oh, are you, you it, Carly's your partner? And Ben was like, yeah. And he's
1: like, I and did we have not a realize kid. that.
0: Yeah, and we have a child. He thought that was some other Carly. Oh, not my the Carly God, that, that is
1: hilarious. How funny is that? That is That would have blown his brain up. It did. That's it so absolutely funny. blew his mind.
0: Well, I think because there's like in in ben's team there's like three adams and two alexes oh, so okay. there's kind yeah. of like just, just a assumption. Assumption. there was another there's carly somewhere. yeah there's just a million of every name in there <laughs> so he was just like no 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 they're different people and he was like oh no same person <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, all righty um my third tip is to consider your timing so with communication whether it's a phone call a meeting an in-person conversation an email a text message timing is everything so it might be tempting for you to just dash off an email or a message or you know take advantage of the fact that you can see someone that you need to speak to is at their desk right now because you're walking past their desk right now so I'm going to take the moment right now to have this conversation with this person without actually considering is this the best time for this conversation. Um, I know a lot of times someone will email or message because, you know, that thing has just popped into their head and while they're thinking about it, they're going to shoot off the message now. But, you know, shooting off a message at midnight might mean that, that that message is buried in amongst a bunch of other messages that person is waiting through when they first get to their desk the next morning, which means that what you're trying to say or what you are asking for may not get the same attention it deserves or it might get you know, a bit of a terse response because they've just been hammered by all these other things. So look, if you're looking for um oh sorry, and if you're looking for a response or an action, don't give people too much lead time. This might sound a bit weird, but they will forget people have got so much stuff yeah. in their diaries and um in their inboxes. So you can give like if there's something that's two weeks away and you want to give people a heads up about it, give them a heads up now, but say to them I will follow you up three days before to give you a reminder about what I need to do. But if you give them an action that needs to be done by two weeks time, it's absolutely not going to get done. Um, it's going to get buried in all the other important and urgent things that are in their inbox. You're going to have to follow them up anyway. So just resign yourself to the fact that you're giving them the heads up now and you remind them later down the track.
0: Love that. My number four is to communicate in writing always. So always, Always follow every meeting with an email confirming what was said. This is key. So, if someone tries to verbally change a meeting time, tell them to email mm-hmm. you or send you a calendar invite for the new time. Uh, I actually joke about this sometimes when I have clients that try to have <laughs> vague Zoom meetings with me. I say, look, that's cool if you want to chat it through, but I will take notes the entire time and yeah. I will email you the minutes. It's just to make sure that your ass is covered at all times. And be careful of people who always want verbal meetings and don't like to have anything thing in writing, always write down what they say and send it to them. Um yeah, just because that there are some sneaky people out there who just like to yep.
1: be vague about mm.
0: things and just don't let them be vague.
1: Yeah. Write it
0: down. I, send it to them.
1: I so agree with the above that I'm making it my tip for as well. Um, I just want to expand on this. Um, just to kind of triple clarify what Kalia said. It is just so important to put things into writing and it's especially be super wary of those people who like they only want to have phone calls they only want to have phone calls i learned this the hard way from my old landlord that you guys might remember from a little while back who really did a number on us he was one of those people that he would always come into the office and he just wanted to have a conversation or you could call him but he never ever responded to text messages and he never um he didn't have email So, nothing with him was ever in writing and I learned about that a very, very hard way. So, any in-person meetings you have, any phone calls you have, anytime you want to raise an issue with someone, almost especially if you've ever raised an issue with someone, always then put it in writing as well. And this, you know, I'm going to acknowledge that this takes a lot of effort and I personally believe there are a lot of people out there who rely on the fact that it takes a lot of effort, and that people won't go to that effort. So they're re- they're relying on it, and they're going to take advantage of it. So phone calls could always be disputed. Phone com- um in person conversations always be disputed. So I do exactly what you do, Carl's. I. If we have a meeting or if we have a conversation, I'll put it into. And this is like with a tradesman or you know the builder of your house or anything yeah. like that. Any conversation you have, I send send them an email summarizing the conversation, and I say at the end, if there is anything in the above that is inaccurate, please let me know by return email. And if they don't, then it, your butt's covered. So exactly, like, you know, it's it is a lot of it sounds like a lot of ass covering, but I just feel um. It's really important to put things on the record. The best way to do that is in writing. It's a protection thing. And then no one can ever try and say, oh, you never raised it or that, oh, you only ever raised it, but in passing. And, you know, I didn't think it was that important because it was just a passing, um, you know, a passing comment. It's like, no, I put it in an email to you. It's more than a passing comment. Yeah. And then you can pull up
0: the email and show it to them. I also find that, um, it's not necessarily, uh, always sinister people that want to have conversations and not put things in writing. Sometimes it is just pure laziness. A lot of people prefer to have conversations because it's easier than trying to articulate what they actually want to say in an email. So by training people and forcing them to properly figure out what their issue is or what they want from you or what you need to do moving forward. force them to put it in an email takes more time on their part, but it, it's really the only way to go about it.
1: Yeah. No, a hundred percent agree. Put things in writing people. And like, like I said, the the key, like, you know, and I've had a recent experience of this. So, um, the key thing is here to remember is that people are relying on the fact that it takes a lot of effort to put things in writing and they're relying on you to not go to that effort. So, don't reward those people. Yes. <laughs> Cover yourself against them.
0: Okay. So, my, my, my tip number five sounds a little bit counterintuitive, um, but if you have an issue, pad around the issue and don't make it personal. And by padding around the issue, I mean make sure that you are friendly leading up to talking to that person about the issue and friendly immediately afterwards. So, if anyone in the past has had an issue with my work, I've always appreciated them making it clear that we're still on good terms before and after addressing that issue and leave giving the um, any animosity or any negativity to that particular issue and not with the broader scope of our working relationship
1: yeah i like that one <clears throat> um my fifth tip is to stick to facts and try to keep emotions out of things so even though it sounds a bit like i'm going against what you're saying is this is a different thing um this is perhaps the hardest thing about written and verbal communication like there is such a temptation to put the guilts on people and leverage emotions over facts um, or try to point score because it's kind of a fast track to getting people to do what you want them to do by pushing emotional levers. Uh, don't do that. You should always, especially with written communication, wear practical, wait a day before sending your email uh, and then, you know, read it over before you send it and you'll quickly see all the things that are kind of not quite on point that could probably be removed. Um, If you can't wait a day, get someone who doesn't have the same emotional attachment to the situation as you to proof the email. So Ant always used to get me to proof his emails and more often than not, I usually just had to remove the final paragraph because he was someone that loved to be he just had to get a little jab in at the end. <laughs> um, and That's so, me. Ben has to do that to <laughs> I, reckon, <me. laughs> no, I was totally reckoning that to you as well. Like he would be, he'd write this really excellent factual <laughs> email and then he would always kind of almost undo all of that considered stuff that he had gone to a lot of effort to write with just like this. Little jab at the end. And I think we all <laughs> need someone who will save us from ourselves in that situation. Definitely. Yeah. And, um, and I do have kind of a little bonus tip here. Uh, tip number six is try not to enter into conversations where you don't know what outcome you want. So, you know, sometimes the outcome might be, look, I don't expect a resolution, but I just need the opportunity to vent for vent to you, but. Say that to the person because otherwise they'll be sitting there listening to you going, oh, my God, I do not have a solution for your problem and at the end of you venting, you're going to expect me to fix this and I can't fix it. So if you're just venting to someone, let them know in advance that you're venting to them. Um, but, yeah, in all other situations – you know, say what you need to say, but then make it really clear at the end of the communication, the resolution or the outcome that you are trying to get to. And if you don't know what your outcome is, you kind of need to figure that out before you'll send a communication. Otherwise you're going to a whole lot of effort for nothing.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Right, okay, well that's it for topic of the day. I really this is like, as you can tell, a favorite topic for me. So I'm looking forward to exploring more about it in next week's show. But for now, what kicked your ass this week, Carl? Uh
0: Harriet had a really rough week last week. So, like for the most part, she's a really happy and chilled kid. But from what I'm observing from other toddlers, and I don't know if anyone has had currently has or has had a toddler like this. But I look at other toddlers and it seems to me like they have okay days most of the day mm. and they'll have kind of, you know, two to seven minor meltdowns throughout the day, but the rest of the day they're quite fine. Harriet will be completely fine all the time and then she'll save it up and just have a week where she turns into a complete nightmare.
1: <laughs> and um, when you're like, is this is this who you are now or is this just a phase? Ex- it be just a phase. <laughs> that's
0: exactly what it was. We had a full <laughs> week of her just. She just whinged and cried nonstop for an entire week. And she was like, and Ben and I just got to the point where every night we'd put her to bed and we were just like, what are we doing wrong? Like, uh, we're terrible parents. We suck. Like, we're really bad at this. She's she's changed. She's not turning back to her normal (laughs) self. And then just as toddlers do on a dime, she turned back on the weekend (laughs) and she's her beautiful, happy, bubbly, boopy, little funny self. And so I feel like I'm on top of the world again now. But, um, yeah, so she likes to really back it up and really give us a run for our money for it. it it's it's rarely a week. It's usually like one or two days. So yeah. she really, really hoiked it up for us in the last <laughs> week. So I'm feeling a lot better now, but yeah, that week was just really, really tiring. And yeah, I mean, she, she was a bit sick as well. And I just felt sorry for her because she's a toddler and she's learning all her emotions and just little things. And I mean, I know everyone who has toddlers is like, yeah, Carly, duh. What else is new? Like, yeah. what were you expecting? But just little things like she often just falls over and goes, oh, and does this chortle and stands <laughs> back up and is like, let's move on. Brush yourself off. Every time she fell over for this whole week, she would just cry for like a minute every time she did it. Oh, and no. I'm just like, oh, mate, you were so good at this last week. Why, why is falling what just over happen? suddenly? such a big deal for you um but yeah so we got through it and we're fine and she's gorgeous again which is lovely but yeah that was my guitar yeah no it just week. wears
1: you down I know exactly that that whining thing it yes. just it just it kills you and <laughs> I just feel for you so I'm so glad she's through <laughs> the other side of it now because I'm with you I'm so,
0: it's so funny because when you when you explain it to people they're like oh yeah I know exactly what yep. you're talking about it's the yeah uh,
1: and it just just, sets you like it sets like it sets your whole spine and your whole it just gets somewhere into your brain it does and sets something off in your brain that's just like oh my god i I can't deal with this anymore so yeah it's just a special thing about it
0: like she's 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 talking and she can communicate with words now and we're getting a couple of you know two to three word sentences and it's all very great but Sometimes she's just grumpy and she just wants to make a lot of noise and yes. you just you just have to ride it
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um what's kicking my ass this week is uh grief. Uh even though I'm doing like some major avoidance of it right now and um, and what I've come to realize is the reason I'm avoiding it is I just do not want to do the work involved. Um I realized something funny watching billions, um, which I mentioned at the top of the show. So going <laughs> Had back a to big, bil- a big epiphany watching <laughs> bit billions. Of an, a bit <laughs> of an epiphany. Sorry to every therapist I've ever gone to um, and will go to in the future. Um, Is that I've realized that I want to go to a therapist like the character Wendy in the show. So anyone who's known seen billions will know what I'm talking about. So I want to go see Wendy. I want her to ask me a few questions. I want her to deliver a searing insight into what I should be doing and then send me on my way. So all of which tells me I don't want to do that talking therapy where, you know, the therapist guides me towards figuring things out for myself. Like I don't want to figure anything out for myself. I just want someone else to do all the hard work and then tell me what to do um so if there are any therapists out there who work like that please let me know I think that's
0: fabulously legit and you know what you've (laughs) you've done enough hard grief work for a lifetime and I think it's actually quite fine to pause the the next stage of your grief for as long as you need to but I really like to bury feelings so don't listen
1: to me all right so what did you kick ass at Carl's? I
0: look to be honest I'm really not kicking ass at too much at the moment just doing the bare minimum but I wanted to say a double kicked ass for us so we've taken a few longer than normal breaks over the last year um for a variety of reasons um and I've I've just been really chuffed at how many people have missed us it's just really lovely to hear and I think it's a marvelous achievement for both of us but especially for Kelly because I just think you've been so generous (laughs) with like the sharing of your grief over the past year and showing up even though it's been so hard. And I just think that creating content is such a risky business. And I think our quiet, steady little podcast is doing some really good things. And I think, especially in the last year, especially with what you've been through, and especially with the way that you've been handling it with such dignity and grace, I think that like, yeah, I'm I'm transferring my kicked ass to you because I think oh. that's marvelous.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I was gonna say my kicked ass is, is starting back doing this podcast. Um i've been meaning to email you for a couple weeks now but i just hadn't gotten around to it um and it took one of our listeners emailing us to say she was missing us to kind of get me to finally press send to you and go let let's do this and i I do want to say um thank you to our listeners because whenever i see someone in the group saying like while we're on hiatus does anyone are there any other podcasts like ours because and and it kind of feels like there really isn't other than Chat Ten looks three, which is yep. huge praise. Thank you very much. That's really lovely. Um, yeah. Part of me is like, oh, I wish there were other podcasts like us because I'd like to listen to them. But it, <laughs> you know, because you know, because I do like two friends chatting. Um, another one is uh, the Writer Center podcast with Valerie Koo and Alison Tate, But of course, you need to be a writer to listen to that. But that's two lovely friends chatting with each other as
0: well. I also really like Shameless. Um, podcast yeah you mentioned that one yeah Yeah. it's I think a much younger demographic than our demographic so these are two Melbourne journalists who are in their early to mid-20s I think so a lot of their stuff and they they talk a lot about reality tv which isn't really my bag but they cover like current affairs and stuff and they're funny and cool and quippy and feministy so yeah And that's just about time to wrap up. So don't forget that we have a Patreon page, which keeps Straight and Curly in your ears and covers our production costs. If you love listening to the show and you want to support it, just visit patreon.com forward slash Straight and Curly. And you can follow us on Instagram at Smaggle and at Kelly Exeter. And don't forget to leave us a review because it helps other people find us.
1: And finally, do jump into the Facebook group and share your thoughts about this week's show. We look forward to chatting more with you in there. Thank you so much for listening to Straight and Curly. This week's show notes and links will be available at straightandcurly.com.
0: And if you have any questions or
1: weird self improvement hacks you want us to
0: trial, you can tweet us at Kelly Exeter or at Smaggle, or you can email us at hello at straightandcurly.com.